0: Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter.
1: I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric's Ghost Well
0: guys, um, it's been literally over a year since we've had to record a post-football loss podcast. And... It sucks to do I mean we did it a lot last year But it's been over 365 days And you know before we're like we get too deep into doom and gloom And oh woe is me And you know some of the some of our followers on Twitter Some of the conversations we were seeing online over the past 24 hours You know got pretty dark And let's stop for a second And recognize that this is a 5-1 and team. Still a game and a half up in the Western Division. There's a reason I'm drinking High West whiskey tonight. And that's because we are still number one in the West. We still have every opportunity to go to the Big Ten Championship. And if we can beat Ohio State, if they are eligible, if they make it, or Indiana, then we go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, there, there was a carrot. That was being dangled in front of us for about a week, a, a carrot that was number eight in the, uh, in the playoff rankings. And that was really cool. I mean, that, that was really neat to, to kind of think what if, but you know, and it fit, Fitz fits said, our primary goal is to win the big 10. And, you know, can, can we honestly sit here and think, yeah, we, we go to the playoff and we're going to run into Alabama and they will beat the shit out of us. I mean, let, let's let's be real. I mean, that is a good team. Maybe we see Clemson. Maybe we see Notre Dame. I like our chances a little bit better against Notre Dame, but playoff would have been awesome. Absolutely, we're not there yet, and I, that's okay. That's okay to say we're not there yet.
1: It is okay to say, and I think like I I tweeted this uh, at at some point in the last twenty four hours, but the idea that. You know, you look at 95, 96, 2000, 2018, every one of those teams had some sort of horrific loss on their on their slate against a team that was f- far inferior to them. Um, on the road at Iowa in 2000 is a, is a game I still have nightmares about. I was there with the band. Um, 2018, you've got the back-to-back losses to Duke and Akron, uh, Miami of Ohio, and Wake Forest are... Um, you know, games written in Northwestern lore. Every one of those teams was tarnished in some way. It took a punch in the mouth, but they got, they got over it and they got right. And they responded and it does not, you know, we revere those teams. We love those teams. Every one of those teams is beloved by this fan base. And, and I like, that's the takeaway for me more than anything else tonight is that this sucked this game. It was three hours of misery. Um, you know, we'll we'll get into the nitty gritty. You, you do have to give the cats a little bit of 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 of, a, of an attaboy for for taking the lead in this game. Obviously, they they screwed the pooch in so many different ways, players, coaches alike. Um, but like, y- you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Like, you can't take a shit on this season, um, or this team because they they had a really horrible day at the office i mean that's that's what this was well so in the aftermath of
2: this there was a lot of oh northwestern always does this Mm, mm. and i was like okay like what do we mean when we say that are you referring to as scuzz said miami of ohio the wake forest game Where, right, where, like, that team spent that whole offseason with the weight of expectations, immediately went out and lost to Wake Forest and wasn't ranked for almost the entire rest of September because of it, right? Um, Or, right, or uh, the Purdue game in 2000, which Scuzz and I were both on the field for. Um, I was doing sideline and Scuzz was the drum major for the band. We were right there. So when we talk about this stuff, people, like, we know of what we speak. We were there. Um, But yet, like, so, but... Is that the first thing we talk about when we talk about any of those seasons? Of course not. Nope. Because those teams all won titles. Um, And it's funny, like, you know, before the season kind of got back in gear, when Jay Sharman was running the Sacred Saturdays pods and everything, you know, one week they had to cover the Miami of Ohio thing. And yes, there's that certain kismet to it because of Randy Walker and everything that happened with that. And yes, it's still bittersweet and it still stings to this day. I mean, ultimately that became a national title you know, that basically took Northwestern out of a national title game. That's not the way people remember it, though. It's just not the way people remember that season. And I think there is so much, and this we've alluded to it, that there. what Scuzz is saying is true. And on one hand, you're like, these these things have happened before. And the fact that we're immediately going to the good places of these things, it's not to minimize it. But part of it is to understand, right? That the reason those things happened is potentially related to this. College, you know, coaches are loath to admit it. Players are loath to admit it. But it's a pattern. And, because you were talking about this after the game. It's not a pattern unique to Northwestern, no. right? I think, I mean, heck, we beat a pit team in the Pinstripe Bowl. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't that team's previous game? Uh, knocking off Clemson? I don't know if it was the previous game, but they knocked earlier in that year. Right. I mean, like, it happens. This bug flies around. I get it that in our case, right, because it's so rare that we're elevated to the stratosphere of expectations that it it does play a factor and it does have an impact, and it did have an impact in this game. There's no doubt about that. Um, And so here's the thing, right? It's one thing to, to... be really upset about that and be like oh every time Northwestern gets to this point look i get it but at some point you have to kind of step back and divorce yourself from it and be like all right so but within the context of this putting that behind us what does it mean for the rest of this season and that's where i think there are these two divergent paths here but um, before,
1: before we go there quite no bad, yeah go ahead I, I do just want to acknowledge cuz i think he's got a good point like like if you come at this from the perspective of northwestern was number 8 in the polls with a control their own destiny path to the college football playoff. It, like, like, like if that's your starting point and this is where, you know, Jay from Lake the post has been sitting and in, in a lot of his post game discussions with, with folk it, like this loss was extremely devastating and, and arguably one of the biggest in Northwestern history because of, you know, where you were controlling your own destiny before the game to where you are now. I look at it from a slightly different perspective in that it was still a long shot for us to to expect to go into the Big Ten t- championship game and knock off Ohio State. That team is, you know, number one with a bullet in the Big Ten. And and, and going back to our summer previews, we felt that all along, all along. That does not mean that I don't think we didn't have a chance, right, in that matchup. It just like we weren't there yet. There were a lot of dominoes that still needed to fall. This was very different from, you know, Oklahoma State going to Iowa State— an abjectly horrible Iowa state I might add and blowing their shot at the BCS or West Virginia in the last game of the year losing inexplicably to a horrible pit team and not going to the BCS championship this is this is slightly different from Northwestern so like there's a lot of people out there just pissing and moaning about you know oh Northwestern and have higher expectations and yada 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 and it's like this happens in college football and the, like the three of us are college football junkies like we watch teams go through the go through this many times Thanksgiving weekend 2006, Sam and I went to Colorado together and like ate six different Thanksgiving dinners and watched a, an obscene amount of football and I had a list of the 10 things that needed to happen that weekend. The 10 upsets that needed to happen for Michigan to play Ohio State in the National Championship. Well, guess what? So 9 close. of them happened. So close. 9 of them happened, including LSU losing to a horrible Arkansas team. Um I I, I forget what happened to happen in the Big 12 and the Pac 12, but those things happened as well like Good teams lose to shitty teams in college football all the time. And I just I wanna emphasize this was not Akron. This was not Miami of Ohio. This was not a blown thirty six point lead to Michigan State that is still the record for a comeback in a game. This was a hard fought conference game that ended essentially in a field goal difference. Yes, there was a fumble recovered in the end zone on a on a on a lateral play that made it a nine point margin at the end, but this like this is normal shit folks and yes sometimes it sucks and I like those 3 hours I like they were a miserable 3 hours punctuated by one moment of glory when, when Northwestern took the lead and I thought ah oh, never had a doubt right but it's just it's 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 important for me at least to step outside of my Northwestern Northwestern kind of focus here and 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 acknowledge like that th- this is the sort of thing that happens in college football all the time that doesn't mean I'm not upset that doesn't mean that the sloppiness and the poor decision-making is okay. And that I'm just, you know, I'm like, Oh, you know, it's fine. This happens, blah, blah, blah. I'm pissed. But I think John, where you want to go next, like that's, what's important is that is, is like there are two different paths we can go down now as we look at the rest of this season.
2: Oh, sure. Exactly. And I think it's, it's one thing where it's like you, like we must force ourselves to stare at the burning dumpster that is that game, there's no getting around it. Um, and at the same time, I think there it, it's a bridge too far to be pulling anything out of this game, other than probably, uh, you know, our our desire to have Justin Jackson <laughs> land from a UFO <laughs> and join this team in time for us to play a still very likely. Big Ten championship game against Ohio State or Indiana, right? Um, and but aside from that, there is all of this stuff, and we'll go through it. But I mean, the flip side of a game where everything exploded is that the the calculus beyond that game is it like it doesn't change that much. I mean, like I think you know we still have Illinois on our docket, right? Regardless of anything else that happens this season. Uh, if we beat Illinois, we're going to the Big Ten championship game. Well, in 2000, after that team laid an egg against Purdue, they had to go beat Illinois too. I- I- and they I- put, Iowa, you mean? I mean, at, uh, late against Iowa. They had to go play Illinois too, and they put a thumping on Illinois and won themselves a Big Ten championship. Um, and that's ultimately where this team's going to be. And again, we'll get into the whole Minnesota thing and all that stuff, et cetera. The, to get there, though, we have to go into this game. And it's hilarious um, that, you know, Bill Connolly, people were asking, well, what did you give Northwestern's win expectancy for in this game? Um, and he said after the game, he said, I had it at 56%. And that's almost like a coin flip. And given the way the ultimate score of the game, I guess that shakes out. With I, I, all... I, I,
1: I did want to follow up on that and ask if he had any adjustments for like, coming off of a really big home win, having to go on the road as an, you know, like right. a double digit right. favorite, like those like some of those situational things that exactly. like are um probably not part of his model, but um and I'm assuming right. they are not part of his model, but it, it, it made me want to ask the question because fifty six percent did seem low. Well that's the thing. So fifty
2: six percent with all due respect to Bill Connolly <laughs> If you watched this game, we had It took so many guys working so hard to friggin' blow this one on so many levels. This was a tire fire. There are the list of players who had their worst individual game. I'm not talking about units. I'm talking about guys is so long. Um, and you know, you can, you can look at, you know, offensively, there were things that were a mess the entire game. Um, and defensively, there were not things that were a mess the entire game, but the first quarter was so bad and so against the grain of the defense the entire rest of the game of the season um, that it kind of set up the entire rest of the game and enabled this to happen. I mean, all these things, I mean, you can throw out, I mean, everyone, I think for some reason, a lot of people's collective conscious jumps to the Kyra McGowan fumble on the jet sweep, right? And it's like, I can list 50 things. Where if it doesn't go the way it did, um, we win this game, and yet they all happened. And I think to Scuzz's earlier point, right, when you're talking about this many individual performances going so haywire, that's when you start to look at the situation. And on one hand, it's like, okay, so if your reaction to that is to lose your mind and to be like, That's what these guys get. They choked. They had their moment choked. Whatever. Like, we can't change your mind from thinking that way. Just understand, though, that none of that has a heck of a lot of bearing on Illinois, our hated rival, um, or the Big Ten championship game, when we are not going to be anyone's like, you know, it's like the team we're playing in that game isn't looking at us as the titan that they have to knock off. Okay? That's like, we are like, that part of the season is over. So... Again, it's like, we'll go through it. This was a a god-awful mess. But again, it's like, we'll examine the horror, um, and then we'll try to pull the parts out of it that actually matter going forward.
0: Well, and let's start off, let's give some credit where credit is due. We came into this game, like last pod, we said this Michigan State defense is stout against the run. We are going to have a hard time running the ball. And lo and behold, we had a hard time running the ball. And the fact that our receivers were dropping balls, Ramsey looked like he might have been hurt at some point because he had no zip at all. Um, you know, after the first couple drives, like his balls were just in, in fluttering the, in, this,
1: in the second quarter, especially. Yeah, second quarter especially.
0: Right. Um, but you know, the passing game wasn't working, and we couldn't run the ball. Um, we we knew it was going to be a struggle running the ball going in, and. Yeah, and that that
1: that came out in the wash I mean I think the biggest surprise to me and it, and it comes down to some of the defensive stuff John was just talking about and, and honestly you could hear it in the announcers voices like they were stunned at at Rocky Lombardi's performance in the first quarter um and like his I think Rocky you know, Lombardi to... was
0: stunned at Rocky Lombardi <laughs> yeah pretty in the first
1: much well well, if like what's amazing to me like go back and watch his passes none of them are close. He is missing receivers by so large of of margins that it's not even funny. But I guess he throws a good deep ball, something oh, I, I, mean, I apparently game, missed in my... Their in game my plan. Yeah,
2: their game plan was an amazing game plan. I give Mel Tucker all the credit in the world. It's not like he doesn't know his quarterback can't hit the broad side of a barn. Their game plan coming out in the first quarter was... We're going to throw deep. And if we miss them all, we miss them all. But you know what? We're probably going to miss them all anyway. And if we hit on a couple of these, they'll work. They went away from the the one guy. It's hilarious to look at the defensive stats and see that Greg Newsom is not credited with a tackle in this game. Since he is one of the only guys who can say, Confidently, that he went wire to wire excellently. He was so game. good. He was so it's good. A sh- it's a short list of guys, folks, but Greg Newsom was awesome end to end in this game. But they knew that and they went away from him. Obviously, everyone is looking at Cam Ruiz, okay? Um, but just know A, if you're trying to hang it on Cam Ruiz, one, and two, if you're also going the other way and believing, yeah, but for that one crazy 75-yard bomb, this is a totally different game, you need to understand that this was Michigan State's entire game plan to attack deep in the first quarter and hope for success before we closed the loophole. Because, and we've talked about this, Scuzz especially has talked about this, we're playing more single safety high than we've played in the 10 years we've been doing this pot. Because we've never had this kind of talent before. So we're being a lot more aggressive. And Michigan State was just thinking, look, we can, here's the stat that sums it up. Scuzz was alluding to it. Guys, he started this game, Lombardi, two of nine, throwing the ball. And the two completions were touchdowns. That's th- And this is the part of the game he was more effective throwing the ball. <laughs> it's, it's insane. But understand, like, it was deliberate. On yeah. that play, that, that 75-yard touchdown play, they were targeting Ruiz. And they know he's incredibly aggressive. And they know single safety high. And we blitzed six. They protected with seven. And they just ran fly routes, and he was open, and and like Scott said, Lombardi hit him.
1: But and, and Naylor's Naylor's really fast, right? He's probably the fastest right. guy on their team. He's like you saw throughout the game. He didn't have a big of impact beyond that one catch, right? Like he's he, This is not a this is not an Austin Carr that's going to catch thirteen balls in a game and and or a David Bell and, and tear a defensive part. Like he yeah, he had three
0: catches won. for ninety nine yards. One of those catches was seventy five, so the other two were were nothings. Exactly. Right. He got
1: targeted quite a few times. I know, I know we had Newsom covering him quite a bit. And I like, I just like, right. They, they, they took their shots early with, with a great game plan. And they, I, I don't want to say they got lucky as, because it's, it's not, I don't mean to say that it was like a, you know, a lucky um, strike or something, but they, they, they played the numbers game of like, if we, if we throw deep enough, like, and one of them hits, we're going to be in great shape. And that's exactly hey. what they did.
2: Right, and I think the 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 nadir. It's really it's funny because a lot of people are going to talk about all the horrific parts of the game that happened later. The true nadir of this game was Michigan State's third offensive drive of the game. I think it that was is,
1: technically fourth. I think it was technically yeah, fourth. That is where that's the. You're right.
2: It was their fourth. Right. That what You're right. Exactly. Because they had had the field goal off the interception prior. Yeah. This yeah. is this the is drive. 13 that, play, 85 yard, TD. Exactly. This is where we bottomed out as a team. Uh, and hopefully you could argue, hopefully for the season. Um, they, you know, a lot of people remember, and it's true, our defensive line was was a mess um, dealing with this read option with Lombardi all night. But it's really important to understand that those plays you remember at the end of the game would never have mattered if not for this drive. And this is the drive where, our entire front 7 was just getting just was just getting swiss cheesed out there and it was kind of frankly shocking i talked about it you know when i tweeted it out but connor hayward who had 96 yards on the day his stats are totally front loaded in this drive as are elijah collins elijah collins had his longest carry of the day on this drive connor hayward had two of his three longest carries on this drive Lombardi had a couple of carries on this drive. And even with all of that, we still got them to a third down and 10. And I bring this up because for all of you thinking that that 75-yard touchdown play was a flash-in-the-pan thing, they got heard on that third and 10. And he interfered because he had to grab the guy because it was a touchdown if he didn't grab him. And that was a first down. And then shortly thereafter the first quarter ended, the second quarter started and they targeted Ruiz in the slot with another fly route. So you're talking about this total the deer where on one hand, the running the front seven who have been ungodly against the run all season are getting, you know, cut open on the ground. And then our corners who know, they've been dusted by a 75-yard TD pass from a quarterback that, like Scud said, is not hitting the broad side of the barn otherwise. Get beaten deep again twice. And it all happens on the same drive. And you know what? From that drive on, Northwestern, on average, gave up 20 yards a drive the whole rest of the game. It bottomed out right there, and they closed the loophole. But this was what Michigan State was trying to do. This was their game plan, what, what? and it, it was their hail mary, and it worked.
1: Well, and let's talk about Rocky Lombardi carrying the ball. Um, yeah, that, that was car- that was
0: really it ended up being the bugaboo a little bit.
1: It was a surprise. Seven carries against Rutgers for minus four yards. Now, granted, this includes sacks as well. But five carries against Michigan for nineteen. Five carries against Iowa for minus twenty-one. Two carries against IU for minus eleven. And then ten against us for sixty-five yards. This was just this was not on film, and you could you. I mean, how often when he pulled that ball, were you thinking like, wait, he? How did he pull the ball out of the running back's arms? Like, like, like this. This was a late pull a lot of the times, and he caught our linebackers being over aggressive. He caught our defensive ends being over aggressive, and there's even I I saw somebody talking about this like on that last drive where he, where he, I don't know if he, he really iced it on this play, but, um, but he converted another first down and Fitz Fitz is sticking his head into the defensive huddle, yelling spy, 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 meaning like watch Lombardi. And our, our, our linebackers still got sucked in. And it just, like, I I don't say that as an excuse, but this is what happens when a team has two weeks to prepare for the number eight team, eight, number eight team in the nation. And, they are defending their home territory and they want to go for it. Like, this is why this stuff happens in college football. They're able to put, put some things in and put a game plan together and surprise somebody. And it took us too long to figure it out.
2: Well, and again, from beyond that fourth drive too, optically, you'll remember Lombardi having a lot of success on the ground, partly because he had a couple of big, you know, third down runs when they needed him. But that's optics because by that point, Michigan State was up 17 nothing right? And mm-hmm. their plan was to take their best shot early and hold on for dear life. And it worked exactly like they were trying to, right? And a lot of his biggest success happened early in the first quarter. And for all of that, and for all the offensive struggles that we're going to get into, this team still dug themselves out of it, etc. But I mean, it's just these things happen. The cornerbacks. You know, had a really rough day, right? I mean, like, Newsom was really solid. The other corners had a rough day. The linebackers in the defensive line, the defensive line had...
1: AJ Hampton was pretty damn impressive. True. In, in, I'll say... That's true. Backup duty. I I don't know. Like, he came into the back, like, three quarters of the game. It was awesome.
2: It's It's... You know what, too? Like, I'm going to be 100% honest with you folks, okay? We can name a lot of individual guys... Who had really bad games we've watched the film a lot of this game we've sat through it we can list the individual games names trying not to when i say the cornerbacks what? you know the guys who had rough games okay We're
1: well, 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 not- well well what would be the point of us calling them out right because like right. like like this is game six uh we like most of these situations are not problems that we've seen in the first five games, right. right? In terms of individual players, so let's like let's get off of our our let's shit on these eighteen to twenty two year olds, right. well, um, mon- well, mantra and, fan base, right. and and uh, the thing and move is
2: forward. like. Right, and to the thing, to the extent that I've mentioned names so far, right? It's just because it's it's necessary to illustrate the exact way this yeah, thing unfolded. You just, just gotta tell a like, tale, right? Like, it's like certain guys on the defensive line had really rough games, especially in the first quarter. The linebackers, whose stats are awesome and played three really strong quarters, did not play well in the first quarter of this game. Like, it's it it went around. It covered the whole defense, and in the first quarter, it was it was a total disaster, and then they got it together. So it's like, Michigan State, this is what they executed. The defense totally... I mean, it's like, are there lessons to be learned? Is there a giant thing of humble pie being served to this defense? Yes. So it's like, on one hand, it's like, yeah, that first quarter, they're never getting that back. They're never getting the first quarter of this game back. Um, I... I should talk about, too, like, uh, I, we tweeted, but I tweeted, and I'm going to own it. I used the phrase that they mailed the first quarter in, and then I apologized for it on Twitter. That's That was a poor choice of words. I didn't mean to say that they mailed it in. That would imply that they didn't give the effort. Of course they gave the effort. These guys are giving it their all. But there's that There's that part of it, right, where, like, everything we're talking about, where that the way, the moment, and everything that happened in this week and the way it's affected not only this team, but great Northwestern teams of the past, everything we already talked about on this pod, right? Like, that stuff does matter, and it all landed at the same time, and these guys have to swallow it and move on. But, I mean, like, this defense, like, you know, Michigan State got just enough points to win. We, I think we thought there was a possibility we'd win this game going away. But the most likely scenario, and we specifically mentioned 21 points on the pod, thinking, well, we'll get to 21, and that'll probably be enough because they're not going to get more than six or seven. Well, from quarters two through four, they got nine, right? It was all, um, or not even, right? They got, am I doing my math Well, as long
1: as you don't count the the last touchdown. Right, they they got, got, oh, I'm sorry. Right, they got got 13.
2: then they got, right, they got six after the first play of the second quarter. Um, so the... After,
1: I, after that, you know, other than that touchdown, which was, you know, built on their their, their that big drive we were talking about in the first quarter, they got uh, six points in the fourth quarter. Right.
2: So, I mean, like, for those three quarters, the game pretty much unfolded how we thought it was going yeah. to be. And they, that they, first, they
1: missed they missed that field goal right before half, too, which was a pretty big miss.
2: Right. And that, so, I mean, it's, and, you know, they're, um, they... I said the deal never get that first quarterback, but they will learn for it. They will grow for it. And, you know, I think as we pivot to look at the offense, like the, that's the thing, like it it was awful. That first quarter was bad. They'll never get it back. They will learn and grow from it. And this awesome defense is going to get better because
0: of it. And that you can be damn sure of. So, you know, let's, let's talk about the offense. Cause you know, it, it really was, it was a mess. I mean, the, the, you know, I, I mentioned earlier the running game just wasn't working. And, you know, it, you know, we, we know Drake Anderson is, you know, fast and quick and goes down at first contact. And, you know, that, that happened. And, you know, God bless him. He, he came super close to, to busting at least one, if not two, a long, long way. Um, and something is just, something's off with Bowser. It just, you know, it's something's off and, you know, he, he never has been the fleetest of foot, but he looks, and especially, especially yesterday, he just looked even a step slower. there was a, there was a,
1: there was a play in the third, like toward the end of the third quarter. Um, it was like a third and seven and Ramsey hit Bowser who was wide open in the flat. Um, and he rumbled for 11 yards, but man that was like a like it was a, it was like a painstaking 11 yards to watch and you just like he he th- he is not healthy he's trying to play through something and um i give him credit for doing it i i you know i give the coaches credit for supporting him um but it's 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 tough it's tough and, and i like it is it is hard to look at the running game in this in this game alone because Michigan state's D has, you know, we, we knew it was going to be tough to run against them, but this is, this is, it's, it's been an emerging pattern. Um, I've, I've been concerned. I don't know if concerned is the right word, but I like, I, I feel like our tackles on the offensive line are really good. And the interior of our line is, um, struggling a bit in, in both pass and run protection. You saw that in this game again, against, you know, a decent Michigan state defensive line that we, we talked about as well. um, but this, this is probably where we have the greatest amount of concern going forward. Because, like, you know, the wide receiver drops. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, RCB isn't going to isn't gonna drop balls like that in, in in the future. That's not who he is. Um, you're, you, McGowan isn't going to fumble the ball like that. I, it, it's not who he is. Like, I, John's got some interesting perspective on Ramsey and, I, you know, a, a potential spot where he got injured in this game. Like, it, some of the – I think where we want to harp – where it's more appropriate to harp is some of the designs in our offense and the play calling and, and what is unfortunately a theme that has reared its head from the past, like, like an a, a stubbornness around how we operate in heavy sets and it's, it's become predictable for the defense and it becomes very easy to stop us when you can predict what we're going to do. And we have a running back who's already hurt.
2: Yeah, I think so. Right, so let's we'll, we'll go through the, the couple of things. First of all, the Ramsey thing, like you were talking about. There's a lot of speculation, right, that he was hurt in this game. A lot of people were talking about that. Um, I've watched the tape a couple of times. I'm not a doctor, nor do I have any inside information. But my own personal hypothesis, and take for this what you will, is that not only was he hurt, we know the play on which he was hurt. The play on which he was hurt, in my personal estimation, was the play directly before the first interception. Um, on that play, um, Michigan you mean the first immediately... pass
0: interference.
2: Yes, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> Sorry um, the the yeah, but but yes, correct. <laughs> um, yeah, yes, correct. It, it is pass interference to grab RCB by the head while he's trying to get open for a route. But yes, I digress. Um, the um, but on this play uh ramsey um immediately gets pressure from his right side around the corner right and he steps up into the pocket and he's like i'm taking off and it could have been Panasuk and i'm not sure if it was but when he's running he takes a shot directly in his right shoulder as he's going down and he's not writhing in pain or anything um but it is a shot he takes a shot to his right side right into the shoulder and he is not the same guy throwing the ball for the rest of the game after that. And again, I'm not saying I have inside info, but you can watch the passes thrown before that point and watch the passes thrown after that point, And it's just the ball's just different coming out of his hand.
1: That- well, well and, on, and on the subsequent drive, we called three running plays to Drake Anderson, which, you know, had I think everybody scratching their heads kind of trying to figure out what the hell's going on. It makes a makes a lot more sense. If, right. If Ramsey's shoulder is, is, you know, stung up there and we're like, why don't we why right. don't we try to run the ball here?
2: Exactly. And again, was RCB interfered with on that play? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. He was good Lord. That's why the guy pulled through the flag. I don't know why the hell they picked it up. Like just because the guy's like trying to get into a button hook doesn't mean you get to like grab him by the head. But on that play. Ramsey's pass traveled by covered wagon out to the flats. I mean, that was the play after the the play where I'm talking about that I believe he got hurt. It was a mess. It was a fluttering thing that just took forever to get out there. It could have been picked off in other situations too. And for the rest of the game, you all saw it. The ball was fluttering. The ball was high. The ball was moving around. Um, And I think on one hand, I give credit to Ramsey because – in situations like that he's able to do it with location and i mean there are a couple of plays where um he threw that one play where it was it came out of his hands so weird and it was like a back shoulder throw and it was this high quail that was so perfectly located that Kyric basically fell down and it landed on him um, and there's <laughs> well, that Ky- one... Kyric
1: had to pull up short to um Right. To, get, to get that for sure. He yeah, catches and I mean, that in but stride. I mean, He's
0: gone.
2: Yeah, and I
1: mean, like there were a bunch of plays like that that were like
2: Ramsey just what? I mean, he did not have the juice after that. He was trying to get it done with touch. It worked sometimes. It didn't. Well, and well, then well just... let,
1: let's give him a little bit of credit where credit is due. So, like the the almost touchdown to McGowan, where he just like barely didn't get his foot down. This was this was pre right. that interview. right he, pre he that got interception. It back.
2: Yeah. No, it was third quarter. Right. And I think he, no, because he, there were two plays back to back where he barely overthrew lease and then the yeah. next play he barely yeah, overthrew yeah, yeah. McGowan on the play you're talking about.
1: Yeah. And, and like, like those are some of the things on the offensive side. Like we, we, we talked about it last week. We got some breaks against Wisconsin. Right. And you know, not in a way that we thought like dramatically altered the, the course of that game, but we got some breaks against Wisconsin. Those breaks didn't go our our way in this game. And whether you want to chalk that up to, to home road, you want to chalk that up to just like we were due for a rough one and we couldn't overcome it. But a couple of these things, you know, a couple of those passes are 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 two inches lower and more catchable. Um, McGowan gets his his foot inside the line in the end zone. That was, I mean, that was so close. Like like we get the fourth and inches. Like there like there are there are so many close moments in this game where like. It, it could have ended Northwestern 23, Michigan State 20, and we would all be like, that didn't feel great. Like, good thing we won our clunker, but it just, it like, it could have played out very, very differently. And I just, like, this is a game of inches, um, which well, sucks sometimes.
2: Well, and I think, you know... To Ramsey, you know, so on the play where Holman got hurt and as of our recording right now, I mean, again, I, I hope we only continue to get good information for right now. Fingers crossed prayers to the man upstairs like he's like he's coming out of it and he's in good shape right now. It was a scary moment. It, for it all sounded
0: like he was going to be released from the hospital yesterday and come home. I I, right. I haven't heard anything today.
2: Um, And this is so. I, I want to preface this by saying that I I really want to be careful about the way I say this because um, that play was a result of a play where Ramsey was trying to make something happen. And I want to bend over backwards to say that that is not connecting what Ramsey did to what Holman did in any way. Things like this happen in football. It's a crazy, violent game. Um, uh, on that play, and this is, again, irrespective of Holman getting hurt, Ramsey was was forced out of the pocket and was trying to make a play. Now, I rewind a a couple of games earlier in the season um, where he threw an interception. I think it was against uh, Iowa, right, late in the game, where he had gotten out of the pocket and was trying to make something play, uh, trying to make a play, and he threw a little high. He's got a little bit of hero ball in him when he gets out of the pocket. That's a lot better than a guy who just wets himself when there's a lot of pressure. Like, you... You take the good with the bad there because he's a guy who's comfortable getting outside the pocket and looking to make things happen. Occasionally, he, he kind of overextends. But in this game, that was a byproduct of Michigan State getting crazy pressure. Um, and Fitz summed it up and accurately being like, look, it wasn't blitz pickup stuff. It was guys getting beat on individual assignments. Michigan State was yep. doing this with four. We, a lot we, of
1: we we had a hat on a hat and our hat got beat.
2: Right. And so here's the big thing about this. And I wanna I really wanna accentuate this point, okay? If you're thinking about bad run blocking in this game, chances are you're thinking of the short yardage situations, which we'll get to. There are problems with that that go beyond run blocking, okay? But more than likely, if you're thinking about bad blocking in this game, you're thinking about pass pro. And you're thinking about Ramsey getting forced out of the pocket and having to do stuff. Well, you better then stop and acknowledge that Northwestern's line has been awesome at pass pro this entire season up to this point, including last week against an awesome pass rushing Wisconsin Badgers team, okay? If all the players, like, if you can be like, and again, not to throw out a name, right? Cam Ruiz, but I'm just saying, like, to be like, well, Cam Ruiz just had a bad game. But if one of our linemen had a really bad game this day, you're going to be like, well, the line can't pass block. It doesn't work that way. Like, linemen can have bad games, too. Like, this bug landed on everybody. And these guys who had been good at pass pro up to this point were a mess in pass pro in this game. What, well, leading- and we were... We were-
1: the, the pressure ramped up increasingly throughout the game, which is what happens when you're trailing and you're not able to run the ball and you have to throw a ton. Right. Um, I mean, these guys were, were they, they knew it was going to be pass pro that like, like the, the defensive linemen were not having to, you know, um, read and react if you will. Uh, so like, like especially,
0: if, especially it, when they'd already taken away the run.
1: Yeah. So I, I think, I mean, that compounds what you're talking about, John, but you're, you're spot on.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like, and then, you know, with the run blocking, there was one specific play that I think we, you know, we wanted to highlight, which was that fourth down play that ended that first drive an otherwise promising drive for Northwestern that was shut down when we didn't get that fourth and one conversion. Right. And if you watch that play, and this is something that I feel like we've been saying it as politely as we can up until this point, but if we are in short yardage situations in a heavy balanced set, Bowser cannot be the back in that situation. Like we've been saying this for weeks and it's not like Bowser ever. I I have a t-shirt with Bowser from Mario Brothers on it. This guy was our savior two seasons ago. He's hurt. He's messed up right now. And what it all leads to is If he's the back in that set, the defense knows you're running between the tackles. They know it 100% that that's what's going to happen. And if that's the plan, you might as well just put Andrew Marty in, put him under center, and throw him into the line because your odds are going to be better of doing that. If you watch that fourth down play where Antoine Brooks blows up Bowser in the backfield, we are in a heavy set with linemen across the field And there is no one to block Brooks. It's not a situation where someone was supposed to pick Brooks up and they didn't. You can watch on the play, Gurak and Schmidt immediately down block. And Vogel has a defensive end in his face that only he can pick up. And that's who he takes. When the other team throws nine guys into the box at the snap, if Brooks wouldn't have hit Bowser, another linebacker arriving in the backfield would have got him too. Michigan State knew 100% what we were running on that play. And that is in stark contrast to all the other sets Northwestern runs on a normal basis. And it's like, you can change that just by putting, even if you put Drake in the backfield, the least equipped To hammer into the line for a yard back, we have. Michigan State's at least going to be like, well, they might toss here. There might be some sort of trap. They might want run read option. They may go to the boundary here. If it's Bowser, not only do they know what's coming, he right now takes, and Scuzz talked about that pass earlier, he takes a lot of time getting up. Field.
1: which is which is exactly why the toss play I think is not being utilized for him anymore because it takes so much time for him to get outside that it's not an effective weapon um and that's like I I forget if it was last game or not Wisconsin two games ago um I remember there being some conversation around like why aren't we using the toss anymore because it was so effective in those first two or three games of the season right and that's that's part of the reason why um I think like the, like the, the the like the other thing that i want to point out that's important here is in a similar situation later in the game we had we we adjusted and we ran a naked boot with ramsey out of that heavy what looked like an like a, like an absolute run up the gut that i was looking at thinking like oh god are we really going to do this on whatever fourth f- i think it was fourth fourth and fourth goal fourth and goal yeah um, i mean and he he, and put, he walked into the end zone yep uh, he was untouched and like, and Michigan state was like, Oh look, it's Bowser in the back. Like, the, like, so, so we, we do have the ability to adjust. We did adjust within this game and to great effect. Uh, frankly, we scored a touchdown on a, on a fourth down. Um, but our power game is non-existent right now. And we talked about, like we've, we've talked pretty much every week about, about Drake and we love his speed and we love what he brings. We were doing this interesting thing with him where, like it was, it was almost like, a. I, I don't know if it was a counter or what, but um, it was a very patient run for, for Drake where he'd almost, he'd wait for the Michigan state defense to defense to commit and then cut back against their aggressiveness. And he was getting, you know, five, six yards a clip on that type of run, which was really, really awesome. I saw us use, use it four or five different times in the game. um, Like, like he's a weapon, we can do things with him, but this straight ahead attack from a predictable standpoint is with 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 a back who's clearly hurt is not working well and there well, there's a
0: we saw cam porter score that touchdown in in the fourth quarter on a wild yeah.
1: at a
2: wildcat yeah. yeah so i mean it's like they're trying to do wrinkles but i think one of the things and and you know eventually we'll when we do pivot forward right it's like we're trying to carry things out of this right if you look at drake right drake first of all has swagger to it Right. I mean, you see it in this game, like the play that Scuzz was talking about with that cutback. He then delivered the hit. Mm He is he is a guy handcuffed from greatness by the limitations of his own body. Right. I mean, like he just is small and he doesn't have the ability to move a pile with power. Um, He's just limited that way. He wants to be the one number one back. He's shifty as all get out, etc. Like those things all pay huge dividends anytime we play a team like Illinois. And it's something that we've been harping on forever. It's like, guys, you have to understand that against Illinois, he suddenly becomes a perfect bell cow running back and could do all the things you want a back to be able to do in a game because he'll get to the second level and he'll get outside and all those things become possible. Minnesota, the exact same thing. Um, but I think we are kind of jumping ahead and it's like, on one hand, it's like, yes, don't put the cart before the horse after a game like this, et cetera. But if you're, if you're truly perseverating about the running game, you must be perseverating about the running game as it pertains to an Ohio state or an Indiana in the big 10 championship game. And you'd be right to do that. I think the the bottom line, the biggest thing we've got to figure out is, there will be situations where we must run, and the other team knows we have to run. And in those situations, they need to not know exactly what it is we're going to be able to do. And we have to figure out a way to be dynamic out of that. And again, we we'd love to have Justin Jackson land, you know, and be back and, and be right back and give us the ability to do absolutely everything, but um, we're going to have to figure out how to, how to cobble that together with what we have and find a way to make defenses guess and be on their toes in those short yardage situations. Right now we don't quite have that.
0: Anything else we need to cover about the game before we do
1: look at, start to look ahead to what might be happening this weekend. I mean, I guess it bears mentioning that as we were making, you know, the initial comeback in this game that then fizzled, um, I felt like special teams played a pretty big role and it's, mm-hmm. it's probably worth calling out like Northwestern special teams have been really good this yes. year in general. And that's been an area of pain for us in the past, but like coverage has been great. Um, Adams has been called to do a lot of punting duty uh, quite effectively. Kubander with two big gargantuan field goals in this game. I just, it worth, worth calling out.
2: Yeah, the fir- I mean, the first field goal, he had to come out and make a tough field goal when we had nothing going. And that lit a spark. It got us on the board. It cut it to two possessions, and that was something. And, uh, yeah, I-, I totally agree. And ultimately, I mean, Michigan State, at the end of the day, ultimately rose to the top because their own kicker made two really hard field goals. Yeah, that, that um, last
0: one, which, yeah, long and low and fluttery and... Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, it was it was a night of of good kicking, but you're absolutely right. I mean, like those those things make a big difference, and those guys have stepped up for sure. So,
0: I, I, we're gonna look ahead. Um, as we record this on Sunday night, Minnesota did have to cancel last week due to COVID, and it sounds like they've got a lot of guys who are out. Um, what what has seemed to be happening in the Big Ten is if you cancel one game. Uh, you are probably canceling too um you know, they
2: would seriously have to buck a trend of everything that's happened.
0: Yeah, I, right? I I know Ohio State is is trying to figure out a way to to play this upcoming weekend because they had to cancel against Illinois um and they need to play this weekend if they want to be in the Big Ten championship um but you know for us you know, th- this game is up in the air and we're not going to know anything until at least Tuesday. Uh, that is my understanding is when we're going to hear some sort of report out, out of uh, Minneapolis uh, on what kind of situation the Gophers are in. So um, if if our game gets canceled, we win the West. You know, we we just need to not lose our last two games and we win the West. And if one of those games doesn't get played – we win the west.
1: I'll be honest, I like as I hesitate saying this cuz hindsight is always such 20 so 2020, but I like as this past holiday weekend was going on and as we saw football games on Friday and then as we got into Saturday, I, you know, like I want to say I had a little bit of a foreboding feeling about the as as the Michigan State game you know, came, came up. Not, not that I thought that we were going to lose, just that I thought we were going to struggle with a letdown. The opposite can be true. Coming off a road loss against a team you should have beat coming back home against a team that, you know, extremely well, well we're going on the road. Who, oh, are we? Oh, it's, in, it's, Min- in, it's Minneapolis. in Minneapolis. Oh, okay. Well, regardless, um, the team that we know very well, uh, that we've played, you know, numerous times that we match up pretty well against, like I, like, their best player, Rashad Bateman, has opted out for the rest of the year, regardless of, of what happens with, with them canceling or not canceling. he's He said he's done. He's, he's going to prepare for the NFL draft. He doesn't want to risk uh, catch, catching COVID. Um, and, I, like, this can be – like, putting in the work to prepare for this game, you know that the coaches are going to be riding the team really hard this week um, and are going to be, you know – there's going to be a level of focus in Evanston uh, coming off of this Michigan State game. Not that we haven't lost multiple games in a row in the past, but um, I, you know, th- this, you 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 saw this team reach, you know, re- try to respond in game against Michigan State, and and to a certain degree they did. They couldn't get all the way there. They couldn't get all the way back and hold on to it. Um, but the opportunity to do so again this next week. I I like Northwestern in this spot as, as, as squishy and, um, and gut feeling as that, as that sounds like we've liked, we've, we've, we've loved this matchup against Minnesota all year. That has not changed for me. Um, they do not have a good defense like Michigan state, especially against the run. Um, it just, at the same time, if it gets canceled, I think, I think the Northwestern team could really use a week off. Um, we've, we've had to play, what, three opponents in a row now who have had the week We've off for playing. Yeah. Us? Yeah, so um or is it or is it four cuz did Nebraska Nebraska had, had a bye. Uh it's um, four. Iowa four straight yeah. teams coming off of bye. Um and you know so like we could we could definitely use the opportunity to heal up before before Illinois and and, and a presumptive Big 10 championship game. So I I kind of feel like this is can't lose for Northwestern outside of like just the mental weirdness of preparing for a game, you know, for a couple days until you get to Tuesday and then having to unprepare for that game.
2: Right. I mean, like, first of all, so a couple things, right? We haven't talked about this yet, and it's huge, okay? Uh, We got the horses into the barn. The minute this Michigan State game kicked off... Oh, yeah. We got to six, and that's a big deal, especially this season. Like, we're playing, you know, if, if we handle our business the rest of the way come hell or high water, if we don't play a game for this point on, we're playing in the Big Ten championship game. Um, and that was a big deal to get to this point. And you know, Fitz will tell you that the program takes a lot of pride in the way that they've handled their end of it. And, controlled and they should. What? Absolutely. Yeah. They should take yeah. pride in that. Right. And, 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 and what controlled was what
0: Fitz said before the year, Like, you can do everything right and this could fall apart, but if you do anything wrong, it will.
2: Right, exactly. And they did what they had to do To get that to get to that point. And now they, you know, we've qualified and that's a big deal. And that's it it bears mentioning, right? So it's like, if this game did one flipping thing for us, it got us to six. Um, And then to Scud's point too, right on one hand, like, I think we're all like, son of a bitch, the way this team is going to be feeling coming out of this game and that's the thing too. If you're going to be like Northwestern always does this, then you better frickin' talk about the Michigan game in 95. And you better fricking talk about the next six or seven games of 96. And you better talk about the Illinois game that came the week after in 2000, right? It's like, well, the other thing these guys do is get their shit together afterwards and handle their business. So on that hand, I would love to play Minnesota. On the other hand, like Scuzz said, the extra week would be nice, and it doesn't matter if it's two weeks. It doesn't matter if the whole season had been canceled, but someone got Northwestern in Illinois in a parking lot that would never be viewed or known about by anybody and asked them to play football, Northwestern's players would still be 100% for that game. Mm-hmm. It's still Illinois, and we would kill them if it wasn't. like It's like we would give our all for that game if it meant nothing. And it happens to mean quite a lot this season. So it's like you you juxtapose between that and this. I mean, I think it's like the team's 100% going to be ready. And I think that, you know, it's the weird thing is the not knowing right now. And again, it's like by the time most of you listen to this pod or a lot of you start listening to this pod, um, we still probably aren't going to know. And we're probably going to find out, you know, it could be Tuesday. It could even be later. And My, it's my guess stra- is,
0: you know, if if they're going to cancel it, they're going to cancel it on Tuesday.
2: Right. And it's just it's a strange situation. The good news is that if if it is a situation where the Cats find themselves in this weird situation of backing into the West title, it will not affect their prep for the but Illinois. We're not game backing all. in, we've done the work. We've Oh no, that's your it's a great it's a great point, right? And that's the thing, like they absolutely have. Michigan State ain't in the West, and we ain't played a team that's beaten us in the West. And I think the and and you know we still have illinois and we give our all against illinois regardless so the team the prep for illinois is going to be lights out regardless of what plays out um between then and now um and and this is all the big thing it's like are we concerned yes i'm concerned about the running game and everything i've talked about in a hypothetical big 10 championship game all right everything else it's a mix of We'll never get this game back. This team will never get this Michigan State game back. There will be silver linings to this. History has taught us that. Um, and now, you know, we're we're gonna knock wood and steal ourselves, and and hopefully watch that play out, and and then get a date in the Big Ten championship game against one of these two teams.
1: F and A. Um, listen, I like this. This kind of dovetails back with what we talked about off the top on the pod, and that is that you know our expectations every year. And, 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 and John, I, I, I credit you because I learned this with learned this from you eight or nine games with a chance to win 10 and com- compete for our division and our conference crown. And those things are all still true for us. Obviously we can't win, you know, um, 10 games in a year that there are only nine scheduled. I guess we could win a bowl game and then we could win 10, but um, now that we've lost one, we can't. So anyways, you, you get my point. Like, like we laid out expectations at the beginning of this year that we wanted Northwestern to be better. I think we all hoped for a bit more from the Bajakian offense than we've seen to date. If I recall Uh,
0: correctly, the two of you said six and two and I said five and three.
1: Yeah. And we're right there. We're right there. um, To, to beat those expectations. And that is awesome. Like, like yes, the playoff was really enticing and really exciting. I I was furiously um, like stopping myself from talking shit with my Notre Dame in-laws as 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 they were debating, you know, Notre Dame's spot in the playoff ranking and to say like, "Oh, look out, like we're coming for your spot or something like that." I like I had to restrain myself. It was very very exciting and enticing and awesome, but like what whatever whatever that is or or might be probably nothing down the road here. Um, all of our expectations, all the goals that we set at the beginning of this year are still within reach. And that is, that is not anything to, to sneeze at.
2: Right. And like Fitz said, Fitz, you know, said after this game, he was like, we got the result we earned out there uh, against Michigan state, which is absolutely true. And the yep. second thing he said is like you said, all our goals are still in front of us. And that's absolutely true.
0: So shall we uh, whip around the rest? Of, well, before we, Fl- we insert flushing sound here. Yeah, actually what I'm going to, what I'm going to do is, uh, um, yeah. So as, as we, you know, begin to, to move past this Michigan state debacle and into what might be coming this weekend. I mean, all, all of the unknowns, uh, I do just want to take a, a minute once again, just to talk a little bit about soul and smoke. Um, they're the organization that we've been donating to this entire season, uh, sponsoring meals. Uh, they're Evanston-based. Um, they do a fantastic job providing meals to people in need, to uh, medical workers, to uh, just you know, the public, uh, people who need food, especially now. You know, with cases rising, o- over, with the winter coming, 000, over one hundred
1: thousand, over a hundred thousand meals provided um, this year to, to to folk in need, uh, which is awesome
0: it's it's fantastic and you know we've we've been proud to uh be supporting them um just wanted to mention them again uh, soulandsmoke.com uh, go check them out if you can you know, sponsor a couple meals that'd be awesome if you can't totally understand um you know it, it's it is what it is and it, it's hard and we're very proud and pleased to be able to do this uh with soul and smoke so just wanted to mention that before we Talk about the the rest of the Big Ten, um, kind of what else happened this past weekend and what we have coming up. It's, uh, you know, we're getting down to it. There's only two more weeks scheduled, um, you know, just looking at last week, you've got uh, Iowa beating Nebraska, although that game was as ugly as it could have been.
1: So Iowa. Um... Iowa hasn't lost since losing to us, correct? Yep. I think I I have that right. That is correct, Um, yeah. But if you think it's because Spencer Petras has gotten better. (laughs) Yeah, right. um, (laughs) Let me tell you, it is not. Uh, They have basically just run roughshod over these other teams. Um, and, And, you know, they struggled early on. But as they got into the third and fourth quarter of this game against Nebraska, Mark Goodson just started... Pounding the Nebraska defense, and that is what ultimately won won the game here. Um, I think there's 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 this pretty funny moment where, uh, as we were watching, we were all talking uh, about you know Adrian Martinez and how he he'd actually had a pretty good game. Like he threw two incomplete passes, no picks, and and John. You tweeted with what I don't know, like two and a half minutes to go, like two and a half minutes left for Nebraska fans to find some way to blame this Adrian Martinez, and he probably gets sacked and fumbles in the course of course, getting yeah, sacked. Of course. <laughs> which yeah. really wasn't his fault. No, um, oh, yeah, and that's the thing. Oh, oh, but it wasn't his fault in this
2: state. You just have to drive west. Yeah, <laughs> it becomes I know. his fault. The closer you get to Lincoln, poor, poor um,
1: Adrian Martinez, our punching bag for so long. He's become a sympathetic figure on this podcast. Uh, God. He, he averaged 8.7 yards per attempt um, compared to the paltry 4.2 from Luke McCaffrey, which I know Luke McCaffrey only threw five balls in this game, but that's been about where Luke McCaffrey McCaffrey has been the last few games as well. Like, I just, I I do not understand why Nebraska doesn't play these guys at the same time. Like, it isn't makes no that sense. The, Isn't that the thing you would do? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I,
2: yeah, I, I, I'm done trying to climb inside the Scott Frost oh, mindset. Jesus. I don't know. Yeah, whatever.
0: Indiana beat Maryland twenty-seven to eleven. Have you guys heard any update uh, on Michael Penix? Because that's uh, you know when he went out, I I didn't see you know if if, if there'd been any updates.
2: It certainly is interesting, right? I mean, I think we're all waiting to see. Uh, Tuttle came in in relief and was you know decent in limited action. Five of
1: five.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there, it's. So on one hand, Indiana, that would be a huge loss for them, obviously. It's crazy because in our prediction, you go back and listen to the summer prediction in Indiana, um, we had no idea they'd be this good. But our entire thesis was Penix needs to not get hurt and stay as healthy for as long as possible. That was like pretty much the summation of our entire yep. Indiana pod. Um, and they've made it this far, and you hope that he's, he's able to get it back together. But he, he was one, having
0: He was having a rough game, 6 of 19 for only 84 yards. Was there yeah. weather in
1: this game? Because it was it was ugly on both sides. Tonga really struggled as well. Now, granted, it's the first game that has played um in what three weeks because I think they missed the previous two. Yep. But um oh, he, yep. he was barely fifty percent completion through three picks. Credit where credit's due, though. It didn't in look the like ice. there was
0: like any significant I mean, there wasn't any rain. Um I might have been a little bit of wind, but it wasn't it didn't look like it was significant.
2: Ugly. Yeah. I mean I mean, Penix at times has had problems earlier in the season. I think in the yeah. first half of that Penn State game. On Maryland's side though, I mean credit where credit's due, Indiana's defense is is overperforming expectations big time. And it's a part of the reason that they're as good as they are this year. I mean, like the Indiana's just a, a great football team on both sides of the ball right now. And you hope they get Penix back. Um, they deserve it. But I mean, like, this is a team right now, there is this massive possibility that you end up with this bizarro world situation where we're playing Indiana for the Big Ten title um, on you know the the ninth week of the season, and Ohio State is playing Wisconsin not for the Big Ten title but for a potential spot in the playoff, um, and that is a real possibility of this weird situation. Whatever, all from 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 our perspective, the only the important thing is that there's a real chance we've got a date with Indiana. So I mean, it's things like: is where is Pennix? How is Pennix doing? What is the quality of Indiana's defense, et cetera? These start to become really big questions that we're all going to need to be paying a lot of attention to.
1: Wow, um, it is worth noting in this game that Maryland was missing two starting offensive linemen, two of their top receivers, including Raheem Jarrett, and their starting running back Jake Funk, who I assume were all out with COVID protocol.
2: Wow! Wow! It's crazy. That's, again,
1: that's gargantuan. Um, again,
2: folks, w- we played the Michigan State game.
1: It may have been an absolute <laughs> house of horrors,
2: but it's it's in the books as game oof. number six.
1: And and this was game number six for Indiana. So if if Ohio State does get canceled next week, um, or or the following week, um, Indiana will be uh, is is locked and loaded as their as their replacement. Yep. Penn State
0: gets their first win of the year at Michigan and people are making a big deal like going into Michigan and winning this year is is something special.
2: I'm going to tell you right now, we talked too much about this game last week heading into it and we should not talk too much about this game coming out of it. I'm like, one of these teams had to win.
1: Um, Cade McNamara did not live up to his Rutgers performance. (laughs) That's all I'll say. Yeah. Sean Clifford was also horrible, but but Penn State won. Uh, yeah. Speaking
0: of Rutgers, uh yeah. go, oh going in to West Lafayette and knocking off the Boilermakers
1: 37-30. What the hell happened? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I guess I guess like 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 big thing we didn't talk about this um 2 weeks ago, but uh Aiden O'Connell has um been knocked out for Purdue. He's missed two games now. Jack Plummer has taken over. He's been fine. Um Yeah, 20 of 35 you,
0: for 237 and two
1: touchdowns. Yeah, but, like, you do wonder um, what that's – done. you know, uh, O'Connell seemed to have really good chemistry with, with David Bell, who didn't catch many passes in this game. Rondell Moore led with seven receptions. Like, I, I don't know. They just – they like, their passing game, only 237 against a Rutgers D. That's kind of surprising.
2: It's weird. I mean, it's weird. Rutgers, I mean, what can you say? They gritted this one out. You look at the stats and you're like, they probably should have lost. But, I mean, like – it's Rutgers, like this Ar-
1: is Ar- Archer Sikowski with a um, Lombardian performance. <laughs> yeah, I was the. Uh, Wait, yeah, did right. Exactly. Happen to he... he didn't play. Uh, huh. It was. It was Sikowski. Uh, I assume started this game. Johnny Langan came in for. For um, he threw four passes, uh, but carried and carried the ball twenty-one times. So I guess I guess they let they let the running back throw a little bit i'm not i mean sure what's it was like on there he's they, a quarterback so i guess they just brought him in to run a lot and then had him throw four times yeah it's crazy rusher
2: they did uh they did just enough um and they had i think they got a defensive touchdown right and i think they got a special teams touchdown yeah they had a kick return for a touchdown oh yeah, yeah um,
1: that 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 uh, 100 uh was it a hundred yarder
2: yeah I mean, it, it it took it all, but I mean, like, don't take it away from Rutgers. I mean, they've picked up two wins this season. They're benefiting from the craziness as much as as anyone. And it's a, it's I mean, this is a Purdue team with Rondell Moore uh, that that lost to Rutgers. I mean, it's it's quietly one of the most surprising games in the conference this year.
1: Um, and my my, my prediction that Purdue's offense was going to be. Totally unbeatable. With more has has not has not come to fruition. Well, I mean, have have we
0: seen uh, more at a hundred percent? Yeah, it's I don't it's know, but they've weird. they've lost what twice with him. So they sure I, have. Like, well, they yeah. lo- They've lost once, and then the refs beat them.
1: Uh, that's yeah. true. That's true. They got really screwed. They against got Minnesota. screwed against Minnesota.
0: Minnesota. Uh, so, Ohio State, Illinois was canceled. Minnesota, Wisconsin was canceled. That um, yeah, that that's that's all of this past weekend's games. Looking ahead uh, to this week's game, you know, we, we talked about uh, us at Minnesota. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, we'll we'll be on you know Twitter uh, talking about it as, as we get more information. Iowa
1: at if, Illinois. If, if if this if this game does happen, like, and I know our schedules um, will make this difficult, but we we should probably come back with like a like a short a short preview of it later in the week.
0: Yeah. yeah, I I, th- I think we we can make if this game happens, we'll come on to to at least preview a little bit. So uh, yeah, we'll 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 talk la- later on this week if if we need to. Um, God, if 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 Tanner Morgan runs read option against us, that I, yeah, Iowa at Illinois.
2: I mean, Illinois, well,
0: and an Illinois yeah. win clinches the the West for us.
2: Right, uh, that's how bizarre is that? Um, but I'm not going to
0: stay here and root for Illinois. I, I can't. No,
2: and I mean, and honestly, at the end of the day, Iowa um, is is looking like again, Petrus notwithstanding, it's not out of the realm of possibility that this team beats Iowa, then beats Wisconsin, and lays solid claim to number two in the conference. Um, and
1: Con- Iowa Wisconsin is going to be a going to be a.
2: Yeah. And they're, and I mean, like they are, if things, you know, were to blow up for us, they would be, you know, the, the potential beneficiary, right. Or one of the potential.
0: I think they, they're the only one.
2: Yeah. So I think they're, they're playing good football, but obviously, you know, at this point, we're going to be looking to get a read on Illinois and seeing, you know, exactly what they're able to do. We last saw Illinois having offensive success against Nebraska That doesn't really mean a heck of a lot. We'll see how they look against Iowa, and then and then go off of that.
1: I mean, Illinois is um, allowing almost 200 yards per game rushing. I think Iowa's going to do just fine here.
0: Uh, Penn State at Rutgers. Rutgers should be favored. Like, I don't see a line. Rutgers probably should be favored here. I think. I
2: like. Rutgers has a path. I would never bet on it, but Rutgers has a path to a 500 season and I'm just that is even to say those words is just stunning. Now they easily could finish two and six, but I mean this is Rutgers we're talking about here like I t- to get even where they are right now is stunning. I mean it's it's indicative of this crazy year but um if Penn State wants to bottom out now's the time. this is the opportunity. <laughs>
1: I just worth mentioning Vidral was bat, bat, battling an injury after I mean, he had his, his his best game of the year against against Michigan and I guess had had injury issues um so he was dressed on the sideline but they told Sitkowski uh, game time decision like right before kickoff that that he'd be the starter um Vedral was throwing on the field prior to the game and appeared to be in some discomfort so um I mean like could could still be sitkowski in this game against penn state maybe if a draw comes back i don't know
0: uh, ohio state michigan state uh, again big big question marks. that's big the question. question marks yep um yep. ohio state had to cancel uh due to you know, covid protocol ryan day uh tested positive um so i you know it <laughs> this is the this is the one that everyone is looking at you know nationally you know if ohio state can't play this becomes ineligible for the big Ten championship then all of a sudden people start i mean people are already starting to ask you know does a five and0 potentially six and0 ohio State deserve a spot in the playoff i don't know that i want to have that conversation right now i'm just this is going to be really fascinating to watch and see. I they are going to do everything they possibly can to play this game.
1: They are, and I just I'm I want to say, and this is not me overreacting to our last game, nor trying to like backhanded compliment Northwestern or anything. But like, this is not a foregone conclusion that Ohio State wins this game, right? Like, like Michigan State teams who have no business beating Ohio state have beaten Ohio state in the past. If there's any weather, um, if there's, you know, any rust that Ohio state is struggling with here, here's the other thing. Like Michigan state's D line is, is good enough to, to do what Indiana couldn't. And that's tackle Justin Fields. Um, if Justin Fields has an off day throwing the ball again, I, like the other things worth noting, like they're, they're, they played a lot of freshmen in the secondary against Northwestern. And those dudes looked pretty darn good. We know that they've had, you know, they've got some talent on the team. Um, I, like, I, I it, it's not like they should be a huge underdog and Ohio state should totally win this game, but it's not crazy to think that, that this is a, this is not a foregone conclusion.
2: I, so I love the sentiment. we, sh- <laughs> <laughs> yes. we- we should all steal ourselves right now if this game is played for Michigan State's offense turning back into a pumpkin in a big way. Yeah, well, um,
1: that's a, that's a, except yeah, I was oh, thinking oh, about the other side the, of the ball primarily, but yeah, that's a good. Defensively, point. Ohio State has
0: is having trouble in their secondary. If but 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 they but Rocky are, Lombardi, right, but if Rocky like, Lombardi can you know hit a couple of those bombs. I think I feel
2: like Michigan State had one chance to play that card one time, and they played it perfectly. Yeah, and now it's been played. Um, Again, I here is hoping. I mean, again, it's the biggest thing is whether this game gets played or not. Uh, If it doesn't, the Big Ten will be hoping uh, to beat the band. That I mean, we haven't got to yet. That Wisconsin beats Indiana to add luster to this Ohio State-Wisconsin-Bizarro World game that will be played concurrently with the actual Big Ten Championship um, in an attempt to, to prop the Buckeyes up as high as they can possibly get. Um, but yeah, we're, we're not there yet, but it'll be, it's, it's crazy. Like,
0: step one, yeah, will they play? Uh, Nebraska at Purdue. Ugh. Great. Ooh. Done. Okay, cool. Moving on. Yeah.
2: I, yeah, I, I, got, I got nothing on this one. I'm just like, oh. I,
1: predict, I, I predict Purdue gets a right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's what we all want Purdue to write the
0: ship and, and put a, a hurt on Nebraska for sure. Uh, Indiana at Wisconsin. This is going to be really interesting. Um, so, this is a hell of a game. So let I me mean, play,
1: let me play this sure. out. Um, this is, at Wisconsin, which makes and 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 if and if Penix is hurt, like, but, I
2: mean, that's a massive ball, you know, game changer in this one for but, sure. But
1: but let's say Penix plays, okay. and let's say Indiana beats Wisconsin, and then let's say Iowa beats Wisconsin next week or the week after, okay. like how. How much luster is an Ohio State win over Wisconsin an unranked Wisconsin? Really it wouldn't. It would oh, be Wisconsin you're, you're, at that point. You're taking it, the exact. It would not be
0: Same. It wouldn't be Wisconsin. It'd be Iowa.
2: Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, you're you're right, guys. You're taking the exact same thing. I, argument I was making, I'm making it from the other direction. You're you're totally right. Um, on on the flip side, I mean, again, I it's like recency bias. It's like Wisconsin's awesome. We played awesome. And beat them. It's like that doesn't go away. It's yeah, like they,
1: d- they 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 should win this game.
2: It, I, I mean, it, the, I think it's so. If, if they're not getting Penix, I mean, I, I mean Tuttle great performance against Maryland's defense. Now you get Wisconsin. I mean, I like and and Penix even is going to have a rough time. He's just capable of this individual heroism in these situations. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see. And then again, like I. Most, I mean, the the most likely scenario here is that um, Wisconsin beats Indiana. We either play Minnesota and win or do not play at all. And then Wisconsin is ranked higher than us next week. So everyone needs to just buckle their seatbelt for that one
0: because <laughs> it's coming.
2: Um, but and, OK, uh, so
0: uh, also, you know, just kind of playing this out, Wisconsin beats Indiana. How good does Ohio State to win over Indiana look? Yeah, I mean, again, it's like yeah. so many,
2: so many different factors. You're right, and again, it's the, the, yeah, all, all of these moving parts. It's so ridiculous. Like, how much is unsettled here? It's like, right, what is Indiana? What is Ohio State? Who are we going to play? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's all sorted. We control what we can control, but yeah, a heck of a lot's going to happen here.
0: Um, and then finally, Maryland
1: at Michigan. I know that going into Michigan and getting a win this year is not that big of a deal, but if Talia Tungavaloa leads Maryland to a win at Michigan, that would be a big deal.
2: Yeah. Let's go. Let's go Talia. Come on, get it done, man.
0: Pile on. I agree. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be super cool. Um, I mean, don't, I, I don't want to start like talking about the rest of the country because we've had so many cancellations uh, over the past couple weeks and, You know, who knows what all games, like everything, everything's in motion right now. And, you know, that, that is the way of things, you know, right now, as as we get into the, down the stretch, you know, we'll keep an eye on, on Tuesday with the playoff rankings come out. I know the AP came out, I think we're what, 16, um, you know, dropped from 11 to 16 in the AP. So, you know, AP didn't have us ranked as high as the, uh the playoff committee. So I'll be interested to see where the playoff committee, uh, slots us in. Obviously, you know, we're, we're not in conversation for the, for the final four anymore, but, um, I'll be interested to see kind of where, where we drop to and, and how that goes. So just kind of, we'll keep my eye on things, uh, on Tuesday night, you know, just to see what happens. I,
2: the, the one thing I'll say about the national slate, um, is, um, this weekend we are all chanticleers i just want to say that america's team coastal carolina needs to take down liberty please please game i know liberty already has a loss they need a conference loss and coastal is the team to do it um i I think they i think it's a conference game right i believe Uh, liberty Um, i
0: believe is an independent
2: uh well whatever whatever i i don't care liberty sucks and coastal needs to take them down on that sweet deal field <laughs> i love that's that that's I an awesome field
1: yes yeah. they do let's let's go
0: should we talk vandy for a sec
2: yeah absolutely that's a great i'm glad you you brought that up um as as we tweeted out um all americans male and female anyone who's got a daughter right um uh but but again girls soccer players any girl who's wanted to play football um were all united in disgust at how bad vanderbilt's offense was (laughs) (laughs) and the fact that that freaking team couldn't get this girl sarah fuller one field goal attempt or one extra point attempt this entire game um and the one thing she got to do was kick off um at the, you know, the start, the second half. And again, I, I know people, if you haven't seen it, and you're going to try to overstate this, uh, or, or you're going to think that we're really reaching here, that was a really good kickoff. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it it once you realized what was going on and what she'd been asked to do, um, I just want to point out that the chances of her kicking that ball out of bounds were incredibly high, uh, and she didn't. She was asked to put the ball in a certain spot that minimized risk to her. And that's exactly what she did. Um, And again, there's not too much more to be said about that other than that this team uh, who is rolling into Vanderbilt, Sands head coach, I mean, rolling into Georgia, Sands head coach with Derek Mason letting go, needs to give this girl another shot. Um, If by some miracle they sniff field goal range against Georgia, she needs to get a shot
1: uh she um she addressed the team at half because she was the she was she said if i'm gonna be honest i was a little i was a little pissed at how quiet everyone was on the sideline she said we made a first down and i was the only one cheering i was like what the heck what's going on and she compared it to the vanderbilt soccer's sec tournament winning run where the the entire team was cheering the whole time and she basically like Laid into these dudes uh, during halftime and said, "Like, come on, let's 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 get going here." Which, like, frankly, that's what Vanderbilt football needs. Right. Well, that that too, and and again, it goes to that whole thing we've talked about
2: with kickers forever, where like when Carly Lloyd was kicking for the Eagles, and I think a lot of people were treating that as kind of a a novelty act kind of thing, but Lloyd was not, and. Lloyd was just like, look, you want me to kick these all day? I can kick these all day. I've kicked, I've made three goals in a World Cup final, one of which was scored from midfield. Um, I can kick your little ball through uprights all day, and it goes to the whole point of like pressure, right? It's like if you know how to kick, yeah, range factors in eventually, but chances are, if you're mad at a kicker, it's not because he missed a fifty-yarder; it's because he shanked a thirty-five-yarder. Or multiple, or climbed into his own own head, or whatever. And I'm just like, I'm such a supporter of. I know that the crazy circumstances that this came out, but some SEC championship winning goal kicker, uh, goalkeeper who's 6'2", two um, and is like an imposing physical specimen. Um, in her uniform, and you're like, damn, that's a big kicker. Is this like a? You kind of look and you're like, is that a kickoff specialist? Because that's a huge place kicker. Um, she like you just think like. Something to be said for just like championship DNA and someone who's just like, yeah, I like don't really feel the pressure. Um, and, you know, we don't know. We haven't gotten the chance to actually see her kick. But, yeah, it was just – it was awesome. And she handled it. You know, like Scuzz said, the speech at halftime, the speech in post game, she was just like got the moment, understood the moment, understood what it meant, and just owned it. And now give the girl a friggin' chance to kick against Georgia for crying out loud. Your team's yeah. owning it. I feel like Hopefully I saw she's...
0: somewhere that she's going to stay with the team. So,
1: well, she is, um, she is, but she does plan to transfer to North Texas after this year. And she's going to play her final two years in uh, women's soccer down there. Um, the, the ESPN article says that North Texas hasn't approached her about kicking, but, um, maybe there'll be further opportunity <laughs> yeah. for, for her down there. But yeah, like, like I, I hope to God, she gets a shot against Georgia. Cause, um, like, she, like they even talk about like the coach talks about like wanting to keep her around. Like she's got a ton of power in her leg. Like, kicking in football is different from kicking in soccer like it's like it's it's not fundamentally exactly the same so another week of practice would probably be pretty useful here um just just to get the form right to maximize her power
2: yeah and again it's like it's i get for everyone who's thinking that it's a novelty also too, like i mean people like i mean i was talking to you know my own parents asked the question well why didn't they just grab a guy from the men's soccer team this was not done in a novelty at all the men's soccer team ain't there This all happened by a crazy confluence of circumstances where campus was empty, but the woman had just returned to campus from winning the SEC tournament and Vanderbilt was desperate for a kicker and Vanderbilt's goalie is really strong with a really strong leg and proved to be able to quickly, to be able to quickly adapt to kicking a football. So, I mean, it's just like, this was nobody's, you know, this was nobody's plan. Vanderbilt, if anything, got lucky that this girl was available. Um... And, you know, so it's it's everyone is fortunate that, you know, of all the, the bad things that COVID has done this year in this one situation, it produced one great chance moment um, where this happened and this girl totally rose to the opportunity and that offense did not rise to the opportunity. And now, again, it's like, yes, if, if you watched that game and I made myself sit through that horrific <laughs> that game. Was so bad. I don't know what it would take for Vanderbilt to score a point against Georgia. I really don't. I don't know how they cross the 50 short of some miracle, but if it does happen, um, I really hope they give her a shot here because like this will not be the margin of difference in this game. Um, and, uh, but you know, you've got a chance to, to do something really positive.
0: And here's, here's, you know, Vanderbilt, you know, coming off of this amazing PR, uh, not it, it wasn't a, it was not a stunt. So I, I'm not going to call it a stunt, but th- this amazing like the world was watching this. It was, it right, it a great opportunity, yeah, opportunity exactly. amazing opportunity, and they fire their coach the next day. And you know all of it all of this goodwill. <laughs> you know, it's like oh what a great story Vanderbilt. that's that's so cool. Okay, coach, you're fired. Yeah,
2: like, I mean, really? come I, on, I agree. I I agree. I also watched that entire No, game. for <laughs> sure. <laughs> they had
1: so it's funny. Vanderbilt had two forty-one to seven back-to-back losses at home earlier in the season, and then caught COVID. And um, I don't know, like maybe that would have been too early to to, to let a coach go. This like. The, the the pervading theory is that by letting you know Derek Mason go now you get a head start on coaching candidates I just don't think Maryland's going to be in the conversation but maybe maybe the, maybe this will allow them to get a jump start talking to somebody and v- Vandy is uh, potentially I mean, land. It, it's
0: an SEC job but like no one is scrambling like oh god I want to go to Vandy so bad
1: well you you got to think that it's a James Franklin opportunity right like If I, if I can do well enough at Vandy, if I can win at Vandy um, and by winning at Vandy, it means like going 500, right? Like then I've got a shot to, to cash those chips in for a big time job. And that's, you know, remains to be seen. I think, I think that the two or three guys that have, that have come to Vandy since Franklin have all bombed out pretty fast.
2: Georgia, when you get up 50 in this game, it's okay to manufacture some sort of little opportunity just for Vanderbilt to get into field goal range. No one's going to hold it against you. You know, it's just just someone wants to kind of drop a ball, you know, put one on the deck in some random situation. You know, no one's going to hold it against you. You still are going to get your 50, 60 point win. You know, that's all I'm saying.
0: One other thing to mention before we go is uh, basketball is coming back. And we are real close to the start of the uh, Northwestern men's and women's basketball season. I believe that's this week, uh, Wednesday, Arkansas Pine Bluff comes to Welsh Ryan arena uh, to take on the men. Um, and, and we haven't, we haven't talked about basketball at all because it you know, hasn't really been on the radar, but you know, the women are, you know, both the, they lose the Abbies, Abby Shide, Abby Wolf are gone, but, amazing incoming recruits. The freshmen are coming in. Look, you know, are really, really great on paper. Um, you know, they, the, the women start, uh, against Eastern Illinois on December 10th. So a week, a week later, um, we'll be, uh, paying more. Obviously we're going to be paying closer attention, um, as these games get started, but, uh, you know, don't think we haven't forgotten about, uh, about the basketball teams. You know, the men are the men and we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, th- this women's team had every opportunity and was going to host NCAA tournament games at Wells Arena, uh, before the world shut down. Um, and Lindsay Pulliam back, Veronica Burton back, uh,
1: Lindsay Pulliam, preseason Player of the yeah. Year in the Big Ten, I believe. We
2: we um, could win, we could win Big Ten Player of the Year and uh, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, and have them be in the same backcourt. That's in yeah. play.
0: Yep. Yeah, Jordan Hamilton, you know, she's back. Uh, and then, like I said, you know, the freshman coming in, Anna Morris, you know, six three, uh, she's coming in. I, I don't know if she'll be playing right away, but you know losing some size with with uh Scheid and wolf going Morris comes in uh Paige Mott is six one freshman uh
1: we'll, we'll definitely be young in the front yes. court but the back the back and, and and if there's an opportunity for us to go small and I don't I don't know I don't know what what that opportunity looks like but sidney wood who who has been you know the the defensive stopper um, that comes in alongside Burton and and shuts other players down just as effectively. Like if there's an opportunity to get those three those three guards on the on the on the court all at the same time and play small ball, like my goodness, um, it's like, it just, they have just so much backcourt talent. It's ludicrous. it's
2: it's just crazy that going into the season, um, it's the consensus opinion that Northwestern has the best player in the conference. And the best backcourt in the conference, and that's like not a point that anyone's arguing. And it's like on the strength of that, this team is is musty TV. And going into the season, ranked number seventeen.
0: Yep. So we'll keep our eye on the ladies. We'll keep our eye on, eyes on the on the men um, as you know the winter starts to set in, and we turn our attention from Ryan Field to Welsh Ryan Arena. Uh, you know, we'll keep our eyes there, and and you know. If we do need to come back later on this week to preview Minnesota, we will do that uh, in some form. Uh, But we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlawpirates. And you can always email the show, westlawpirates, at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the west slot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the 4th. John Lacombe and Eric Scows I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.